I'm Laura Palmer, host of Island Crime. Season six, Sweethearts, is the story of three teenage girls who were all murdered in Victoria, Canada within about 12 months. So she was scared, something out there scared her. You've just created the playground where predators can really thrive. She was a 16-year-old girl. She was a sweetheart. Listen to Sweethearts at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get podcasts. Find your frequency. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. If you've watched a game on your TV lately, heck, if you've watched anything on your TV lately, you've seen them, and you know what they're telling you. That you are a huge loser who could be making thousands of dollars right now by sitting on your couch if you just had a little guts. Hundreds of betting options per event and same-game parlays with BetBuilder. No matter how you pre-game, there's an easy way to bet online all game. Think you know what way is going to go? Make your bet. The Blue Jays are already up by three, so... It's a good bet? Since single-game sports betting became legal in Canada more than a year ago now, promotion of all the ways that you can bet and win have been incessant. And in Ontario, where sports betting is not just offered through the government, but by a whole bunch of licensed companies, it's been whatever's more than incessant, ubiquitous, I guess. And look, here's a disclaimer. I bet on the occasional sports result, all the way back to filling out six game cards on ProLine in the 1990s and hoping to hit on all six at ridiculous odds, which was, back then, the only way you could win. I have nothing against the existence of sports betting, especially in a country where you can also play the lottery, head out to a casino, or look, since we're talking about risk here, buy some cryptocurrency. It's all mostly the same stuff. The only difference is that one of those is inescapable if you want to enjoy sports at all. And the obvious question is, now that it's been a year, what's that doing to us? More importantly, what's that doing to people who struggle with problem gambling? How is the sports betting market evolving in this country, and how does single-game sports betting compare to the last time governments tried to squeeze some money out of one of our vices? That would be legal cannabis. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Mark Hill is a writer and an editor at Inverse. Hey, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me. You're welcome. And I know I know it hasn't been that long in the grand scheme of things uh, since single-game betting became legal in Canada, but can you maybe give us a sense of just how prolific uh, sports betting advertising has become since it was made legal? Uh, it's become obnoxiously prolific to the point where I think it has united the political spectrum and hating it. There's kind of two issues here where one is the government's involvement in gambling and one is just the sheer amount of advertising we see. And on the latter front, I mean, we see it before games, we see it you know, in commercial breaks during games, we see it after games, we see it in intermissions, we see it on Sports Center. they run gambling segments. During games, announcers will talk about it. So you really can't escape it. 
again, I know it's early, but do we know what this onslaught of advertising has meant for the actual number of Canadians uh, betting on sports and, and the amount that they're betting? Uh, we're starting to get a sense of it. We, you know, we could use more studies, but um, back in August, Stats Canada found that about 8% of Canadians had gambled on at least one sporting event in the past year. Now, that's nothing compared to lottery tickets or VLTs, which you know half the country tries. Right. But it is more than what we traditionally think of as you know casino gambling. It's blackjacks and slots and so forth. More anecdotally, you know, if you go on Reddit, if you go on Twitter, if you go on hockey forums, you'll see a people complaining about the ads, and then b people saying that they dropped twenty bucks on the game. <laughs> so they are working to some extent, and certainly these companies wouldn't be running you know, ads and paying Aaron Paul and Wayne Gretzky for a year if mm-hmm. they weren't working, if they weren't attracting new customers. It's a lot of advertising for 8% of Canadians. Well, I think they're really hoping to win over Gen Z in particular. You know, they're starting to get a disposable income. You can gamble on your phone now. So that's kind of the emerging market. And once you pick a gambling company, you know, in most provinces, it's run by the, the government. But in Ontario, there are big private companies competing for customers. And, you know, once you pick a gambling Sportsbook, you're kind of that customer for life unless they go under. So they want to get the 19, 20-year-olds to start to have a little bit of money, and hopefully they'll be customers for the next 60 years. And I want to make clear here, before we get to what we're really here to talk about, that uh, I've bet on sports in the past. I sometimes do. I don't really care if anybody bets on sports. Um, And if you don't like the ads, you can tune them out or change the channel. But your piece, and the reason we're talking to you today looked at the impact that the proliferation of ads and and the availability of uh, all these ways that you can wager on sports might be having on problem gambling. So maybe just to start, when we talk about problem gambling, what do we mean? Does it does it have a definition? Yeah, I mean, it's similar to problematic drinking and that, you know, it's starting to affect your life beyond the hobby itself. Like it's getting in the way of work. It's getting in the way of school. It's harming you financially, it's making you mentally or physically ill, it's you know causing problems with family or friends. Mm. I, I wouldn't want to make this sound like a moral panic and then you know everyone who's gonna gamble is gonna run into this problem. But right. you know, we that is the definition of it. That's it's affecting your life beyond putting down twenty bucks and having fun. It's starting to affect your finances and your family life. And I think when we we usually consider that kind of thing, you know, we we think about what you mentioned earlier, right? Which is the casinos and places where you can go and and frankly lose a lot of money in a very short time. Does sports betting typically, at least the way most people would think about it, lead to problem gambling very often? And and why or why not? I wouldn't say very often. To cite stats can again, they estimated this year that about three hundred thousand Canadians have, or at least at a severe to moderate risk of having a gambling problem. That's all forms of gambling, not just sports gambling. Mm -hmm. But the thing with sports gambling is that more and more you can be uh, more emotionally attached to the decision-making. Like if you buy a lottery ticket, you get the results a week later, you probably forgot you bought it in the first place. If you want to go to the casino, you have to physically go out and, you know, bundle up in the dead of winter and, you know, spend hours. But if you're gambling on your phone, and you're gambling on a, an, you know, an event and a sports game that can only take a few seconds to decide, your emotions are caught up in the moment and you might, you know, if you lose, you're going to feel more compelled to win it back. 
Can you describe then for for people who don't gamble much or even watch sports very much and and don't typically care about this kind of thing? A lot of people, I think, assume traditional sports betting is you know the way the way it's been for quite some time, right? Um, sometime during the day, you make a bet that the Maple Leafs are going to beat the Red Wings tonight, and then you go watch the game and you either win or lose. Can you give us a sense with these apps and these websites now of some of the things that you can be gambling on while you're watching the game? So for for decades in Canada, the only kind of sports bet you could do was a parlay bet, which is you would bet that the Leafs would win, the Oilers would win, and the Flames would win. You have to bet on multiple games and you'd have to, you know, go down to the convenience store and do it on a piece of paper. So it was kind of niche. Not a lot of people did it. I'm sure some people had problems with it, but it wasn't a huge issue. When single game betting was legalized, you know, last year, as the name implies, you can now bet on a single game. So it's a lot simpler to just bet on one game. You don't feel like you have to need to know as much about the sport. And perhaps more importantly, you can now also do prop bets, which is essentially mini games within the game. So you could bet who's going to score first in a hockey game, uh, how many goals there are going to be total, how many fights there will be, what the score will be at the intermission, all kinds of things. You know, if you can think of a statistic in a sporting event, you can probably bet on it. And so you're getting all these ads, the apps right there in your pocket. They're probably offering you, you know, a $20 free bet to sign up and you can get a result in, you know, five minutes with the right kind of prop bet. And I think that is what makes it very different from, you know, 30 years ago when you would bet on the Leafs and wake up to check the results in the paper the next morning. You mentioned that the app's right there in your pocket, and you also mentioned that uh, in Ontario, at least, there's pretty fierce competition uh, for who's going to be that app in uh, a sports fan's pocket. What kind of offers are these apps putting out there to, to get people to choose them? And what do experts on gambling have to say about how this is working? Uh, well, they wouldn't be offering it if it wasn't working. Um, right. Again, free money is the big one. You know, they give you $20 to make your first bet. And then hopefully, you know, that hooks you. You know, the first taste is free. And then from there, you want to either win more or claw back what you lost. You talk to addiction experts for this piece. What do they say about how these offers and the kind of bets you can make is changing uh, the sports gaming proposition in terms of leading to problems? Yeah, it, it is changing it. Again, I don't want to imply that, you know, if you drop five bucks on the Flames night, you're suddenly going to be in the gutter next week. Right. But I think the two big concerns are that, A, if you have quit or are trying to quit gambling, you can't really sit down and watch a hockey game without being bombarded by it. And it's not that, you know, it should be illegal to offer these ads, but at a certain point it's going beyond say advertising beer and feels more like someone coming into your house and offering you a scotch. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, again, the, the emotions are no longer really divorced from the results. You can get results right away. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's easier to get, to get hooked when, you know, the result is right there in front of you. You don't have to wait for it. Right, like a slot machine. You can just pull it again right away. Exactly, but uh, slot machines are totally random, hmm. whereas with sports, you know, people often feel like they know something about sports. I yeah. feel like I know something about sports. I feel like I could beat the house, but I, I can't because the house is designed to beat you. 
Do these companies in their apps and websites offer any kind of safeguards for consumers? Um, I know because I've seen I've seen some of the advertisements that do make a point to, you know, bet within your limit. But what kinds of things are they doing to make sure that people do that? Uh, they point you to helplines, provincial gambling in particular. They highlight uh, helplines you can visit if you feel you have a problem. These are helpful. Those are good tools. Uh, many provinces have good resources for problem gamblers. The issue in my mind is that with provincial gambling, you have, you know, Play Alberta. You know, the Alberta government is saying, look how fun and sexy gambling is. And oh, by the way, if you have a problem, here's the link buried at the bottom of the page. What other kinds of things could they do? And you mentioned in your piece that there's been, I guess, a kind of experiment uh, in this intervention idea performed in Norway. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So in Norway, uh, gambling is is also government-run. This applies to all forms of gambling, not sports gambling. But is what they did is they they took a look at the people who are betting large amounts of money there, and they broke them up into three groups. And one group they just like carry on as normal. One group they contacted via letter and say, "Hey, here's how much you're spending. Just FYI, make sure you're spending within your means." Mm-hmm. And another group they contacted by phone and had a talk and just you know kept a very informal and polite and just kind of a reminder of. Here's how much you're spending. And the concern was that people would find this annoying, that, you know, it'd feel like, you know, there's a nanny state bothering them about their finances. But no one really found it annoying. Some people didn't change their behavior, but other people did. And they, you know, toned down their gambling a bit. Um, the concern, of course, is that private companies have no real incentive to uh, make their best customers spend less. But governments, I think, could be and should be doing more than just saying, Look at how great gambling is. Please give us your money and we'll <laughs> you know, spend it in ways we swear are good. It's been more than a year now since uh, single game betting became legal in Canada. At a certain point, everybody who wants to bet on sports is going to have a way to bet on it. They're going to have their preferred app. They've chosen what they want to do. And the companies who are going to be successful will have won out and the others will disappear. And we should see a decline in, in these ads. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, we haven't reached that point yet, but I, I, I think and hope we will reach it eventually. To me, it's almost like uh, when weed was uh, legalized, there was a store on every corner. And then a year later, it was kind of down to the, the big names, successful names. I think, you know, what we'll see next once the ads settle down is these companies will be finding other ways to get gambling into the game. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if TSN starts a gambling-oriented segment on TV. I wouldn't be surprised, as some American stadiums have done or intending to do, to see gambling kiosks in stadiums themselves. So you could go to the Flames game, you know, and then put down a $20 bet for the Flames to win because you want to win back the 17 bucks you just spent on a, a light beer. So in some ways, it's going to be less obnoxious, hopefully, because the ads won't be nonstop in your face all the time. In other ways, I think it's going to be more normalized as part of the sports culture where you're sort of quietly encouraged to give it a try everywhere you go to engage with sports. I want to play devil's advocate for one minute here because we've talked a lot about sports gambling specifically and the cause of problems, but it's not like this is the only form of legalized gambling. It's not even the only form of legalized gambling that the government participates in and makes money off. Isn't this kind of like getting mad at one particular brand of cigarettes? Well, I think the difference there is if you go to 7-Eleven and buy a pack of cigarettes, it comes with a big warning label from the government that this is bad for you. Whereas if you go to Play Alberta or, you know, the Ontario site, 
the government is telling you, look how fun and cool this is. If you drop 20 bucks, you could win your next car payment and, you know, hang out with sexy women and have a great (laughs) time. There's this weird... I don't want to say hypocrisy, but there's certainly this dissonance where the government is is saying certain bad things are bad for you, but other bad things are good and fun for you. And it is it is fair to say that you know the government is involved in all forms of gambling, but right now sports gambling is the one really being bombarded with. Casino gambling is kind of relatively niche. You have to know the rules. You have to like to go to casinos, but Lots of Canadians watch sports casually, and the idea of you know suddenly dropping twenty bucks on it a game doesn't sound like a bad idea, especially if the government is telling you, well, why not? Why not give it a shot? What's the worst that could happen? Look, I'm just speaking for myself here, but I think the feeling that a lot of casual sports betters might have is that it's a way to make watching the game more interesting, and that's listen, that's objectively true. And what what can we do to sort of demarcate that line between that and making multiple bets per period and, and chasing your losses? Uh, I think, you know, the best advice would be to set a limit before the game, before you start to get emotional. You know, if you bet Nazem Kadri is going to score and he's having a really great night, but he hasn't, you know, quite found the back of the net yet, you might be tempted to double down. But at that point, you're not deciding rationally, you're deciding based on the emotions of what you're seeing. So if you say, you know, an hour before the game, okay, I've got 50 bucks. I'm going to put it on the game however I feel fit, but I'm not going to start adding more and more money onto it. I think that is a good way to keep it, you know, safe and responsible. Last question. As I mentioned at the beginning, this is still fairly early in the grand scheme of things. What do we not know yet that we might know in the next year or two? And and what will we be watching for? Uh, what I would like to see is what the government intends to do with the gambling revenue it's taking in. You know, is pitched as a way to help fill the coffers. You know, amid COVID, uh, right now it's kind of just being dumped into you know general revenue. And I think you know gambling would be a lot more palatable to the public if you know government's telling us, okay, this revenue is going to schools, or this mm. revenue is going to keep our roads functioning or we're giving rebates to low-income Canadians who are most vulnerable to gambling. So I'd like and hope to see, I don't know whether the governments feel pressure to do this, but I'd like to see provinces say, you know, here is what we're doing with the money that we have, you know, badgered you to give us. Mark, thank you so much for this. And I guess, uh, I guess we'll see when we watch sports in April, May, June, uh, how much has changed. Yes. Thank you for having me. That's Mark Hill of Inverse. And that was the big story. You probably heard this yesterday, but if you haven't, thank you so much to every one of you who has signed up for The Big Story Plus on Apple Podcasts. It's an ad-free feed, so you don't have to listen to me try to sell you something. We'll also throw in little bonuses here or there, whether that's episodes that didn't make the cut or little behind-the-scenes Q&As. Some people want to do bloopers, except I never make mistakes, so those don't exist, sorry. But no, for real, it's five bucks a month. It's $39.99 for the entire year. You can support this show directly. You never, ever have to hear another ad. And we'll throw in some fun stuff along the way. If you can't afford that or just don't want to pay for subscriptions or don't want to listen on Apple Podcasts, don't worry. Nothing about the five episodes every week releasing at 4 a.m. every weekday is going to change. Those will always be free and they will always be, say it with me, available wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can find The Big Story at thebigstorypodcast.ca, as well as all those podcast platforms. You can find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN, or you can write to us via email hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca, or call us and leave a message 416-935-5935. As you may or may not know, if you've got a smart speaker, we've got content for you. Just ask it to play The Big Story Podcast to get our latest episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.